I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. It's time. It's time. Time to get in the zone. Time to get in the zone. With the 49ers web zone. This is the No Huddle Podcast with Al and Brian. Forty Niners Web Zone No Huddle Podcast, part of the Odyssey Network. I'm Al Sacco with Brian Rennick, and we are very excited to be joined by Odyssey NFL Insider Brian Baldinger, host of the Odyssey Original Podcast, the best football show, featuring daily breakdowns of the most important storylines across the league. Baldy, thanks so much for taking the time to come back with us. Hey, it's my pleasure. I mean, it's uh, you know, I mean, the Forty Niners haven't won a game in a month. You know, I don't know what I don't know what fans are doing right now. It's a bad month right now. We're not we're not doing well. They're not doing yeah. well, but hopefully you can maybe tell us some things that are going right. to make us feel better about about the second half. We'll see. I want to start with the ledge. offense, Baldy, because when you talk about the Niners, we talk about Debo, and we talk about McCaffrey and Kittle, and and that's with good reason. But you're a former O, o- lineman, and you know that when you're trying to win football games, especially this time of year, the trenches are so important. And we know Trent Williams is great. But beyond that, there's been some questions on the O-line, especially since Williams has been out and they haven't been able to run the ball. What have you seen from this group? Do you think it's good enough to compete with a defensive front like, say, Philly? Well, um, they haven't been in the three-game loss. Now, Trent got hurt against Cleveland, then out the last two games. He makes a difference. I mean, you know, you win win big games with your star players. He's a star. The run game doesn't look anything nearly as good enough without him in there. I mean, they're never a, a, a group that really moves the line of scrimmage. They kind of stretch it. It's kind of how their, their their plays work. They try to misdirect you on lineback plays and things like that. They're not a big power football team that just runs power at you, but that's okay. That's what's worked for them. But the fact is, is that the best defenses right now are in the AFC, and that's you'll see Baltimore down the road. But that's mm-hmm. kind of when you're going to find out. What are they made for a long run in the playoffs? Uh, you might be able to get through some of the NFC teams, but certainly Philadelphia is built that way. They got to play a lot better defensively than what they are. But I think this is a pretty good test. Jacksonville has improved a great deal. Um, 
to see just how they run the ball. I mean, if you don't block Foye Aluaquan, he'll make every tackle. So you got to figure out how you're going to get to that guy. And when you get to him, you better block him. Otherwise, literally, his, his tackle count will be up like what we see from Fred Warner or Dre Greenlaw every week. On the other side of the ball, Baldy, the defensive line was supposed to be the strength of this team. And let's be honest, it's underperformed to this point, yep. uh, at least when you look at kind of the, the glorified stat line, sacks, things of that nature. Uh, their pressure rate, if you look at that and you you believe in that, it, they have a high pressure rate, but it really hasn't translated to necessarily affecting the the opposing quarterbacks, especially the last three weeks. Do you think that Bosa, Hargrave, Armstead, et cetera, are struggling with the scheme or is there more going on there? Um, and then where do you feel like Chase Young adds to this to this group, if you will? Well, I mean, Cleveland Farrell is not a, you know, I mean, he's been a starter. He's not a good player. He wasn't a good player with the Raiders. He doesn't do anything exceptional. He's not sudden. He doesn't win one-on-ones. He's a guy that plays hard, but he's he's a limited player. Nick Bosa, like, I, you know, pressure rate and all that is fine. I mean, there's a place, I guess, for those analytics, honestly, Bri, but, I mean, Kirk Cousins dropped back 45 times. They didn't get him to the ground once. Like, you mm-hmm. have, have all the pressure rates you want. You know, Joe Burrow dropped back. I didn't see him, like, really hit the deck. You know, these you got to hit these quarterbacks early in these games. If you want to own them, if you want to affect them, hit them early. Now, you know, look, a lot falls on Nick, and rightfully so. He's made him the highest-paid player in history. But he's not winning. He he pressures quarterbacks, but he's not getting quick escapes. He's not getting quick escapes the way you, some of the elite guys in this league are doing right now. Daniel Hunter is getting quick escapes. T.J. Watt is getting – I don't see – I see Nick – power rushing, which mm-hmm. is like, that's what he is. But he also has the ability to swipe, to, to dip. Like he's not winning with those right now. So I don't know why that is. Uh, Armstead is a, is a contributor because of his size. And when you run stunts, he could be good. Hargrave, I thought would be a much bigger cog in this defensive front. Than what he's been. I, he was just totally disruptive last year in Philly. If, if they led the league in sacks by a wide margin last year, Javon was his bigger reason why. And I haven't seen that from him. I, mean, I, don't, I can't say why. I don't see the power push that he showed in Philly. Now, as far as Chase, I think the best game he ever played was his rookie year against the 49ers. I mean, if you think yeah. back to that game in San Francisco. I mean, that game, he scored on a scoop, on a fumble scoop for a touchdown. I mean, he was just all over the place. And Chase has excellent athletic ability. I'm not going to say it's elite. He has excellent athletic ability. And I don't feel like he's ever really learned how to rush the passer. Warren Sapp was with them, working with them this year in Washington in training camp. Um, like just basic things, like put your hand on the ground, stop standing up and trying to rush the quarterback. So like that would help. But then he says, well, you know, I don't see that good when I'm in a three-point or four-point stance the mm-hmm. way Nick can. So that's, you know, maybe that's an adjustment. But I, I want to see him with, with Kacerik and see what they can get out of him because he's got great movement he can run and chase with the best. That's kind of what his strength is. But as far as coming in there and winning one-on-ones, I've always said I want to see more from Chase. Like, I, he can he can wow you with some splash plays. But on a consistent basis, I want to see him win one-on-ones with his ability. I want to follow up real quick with uh, your comment about Hargrave. Uh, you know, we, we obviously, as fans, uh, thought that there was going to be a significant impact there as well, again, based on how he played last year with Philly. Do you think that 
this wide nine scheme that that the 49ers run with their defensive line is that much different from what Hargrave was doing in Philly to where his impact in Philly was just going to naturally be greater than his impact here? Or do you think it's something something else? Well, I mean, look, the Eagles rush from, you know, Hassan Reddick and Josh Sweat, they run, they rush from wide angles as well. Um, his job is to crush the pocket, you know, and if they get the quarterback to, to that he can't step up when you get heat off the edge, Hassan Reddick, Josh Sweat, they all like Brandon Graham, they all had career years, all of them, mm-hmm. you know, and, and Hargrave was a big reason why. Fletcher was good, but he wasn't, he wasn't Javon Hargrave good. There was a reason right. why when free agency hit, literally, he was scooped up in the first five minutes. Like he didn't, he, mm-hmm. he didn't even put a for sale sign in the yard. He was already taken. So, but he has not played like that. I have not seen, I used to do videos on Javon all the time last year, like literally just abusing guards and centers. And I, I mean, I haven't seen it. And I can't tell you if there's an injury there, if the paycheck made him happy, like, I don't know, but he hasn't played. And he's, he's, I don't know what he is, right? 28, 29 years old. He's young. But that's a position they need. They, they never replaced it with Kinlaw. He hasn't been a good right. player. Um, since DeForest left, they have not been the same at that position. So Bosa doesn't look like Bosa. Hargrave doesn't look like Hargrave. They're missing tackles. They've had 30-plus missed tackles in the last three games. How much of this do you think falls on Steve Wilkes? Well, you know, you can say the play against Minnesota at the end of the first half is on Wilkes because that play made no sense when Jordan mm-hmm. Addison scored a touch, it made no sense on any level. Like just tackle the catch, wherever it is, just don't let the ball go over your head. Like that, that play Kyle called him out on and he should like it was, mm-hmm. and it's not even what the 49ers do. They never play that style of football. They've never needed to, you know, at, at most they'll rush either a, a, a nickel slot what they used to do with Kaiwan Williams when he was there, or they'll rush Fred and they'll run some pick. That's usually the most that they'll do. Um, they're content to like, okay, play the run with your front seven and keep their safeties back. We're not going to give up those plays. And they did. That falls on, on Steve. But basically, they're his own team. And if the rush, if your four-man rush can't affect the quarterback and, you know, Kirk Cousins or Joe Burrow can get three good seconds to take a look at where the zones and how they're hitting the zones. I mean, Fred and, and Dre are as good as anybody in this league. But if you're hitting it with timing, like, they're just not getting there fast enough because the quarterback's not affected. So I feel like we ask every guest on the show about Brock Purdy, but we have we have to do the same for you because he's got a lot of heat now. Um, I feel like it's a, it's a situation where he maybe got more credit than he deserved when they were winning, and now he's taking more blame than he deserves when they're losing. I think overall for his second-year QB, I think he's done really well. You know, there's been some mistakes in there. How do you think he's developed in year two, and where are you in, in just what you've seen from him? Well, I mean – Look, the interceptions are the interceptions. You know, the one against San Francisco, Martin Emerson, you know, he's thrown it to Ayuk, and he doesn't put it in front of Ayuk, puts it on his back shoulder. Emerson's right there where he should be. He's playing in phase, and he missed. Missed his tar- a moving target. He didn't, he didn't do that a lot. He went, I don't know, nine games out throwing the interception. Um, the last couple weeks now, look, the, the play where Jermaine Pratt got him at the eight-yard line, that can happen to guys. Like, you're on the run, you're trying to make a play, the ball doesn't come out right, um, it gets picked. It, that's not like because of great coverage or you didn't see a guy. You know, it's just that happens on screens. It happens sometimes. 
Um, you can pick apart each one of them. I think he's playing. But even if you go and you look at, you know, Cincinnati, um, he made throws across the field that Mahomes makes. The, the touchdown to McCaffrey is a Mahomes kind of play. Like, I don't know how he saw it. I don't know how he got anything on the ball. I still think he's playing really well. I think the world of him, you can pick apart the interceptions. That's fair. They always fall on the quarterback. But I like to see him. I like to see him this week again on the road against a good defense, fully healthy, and everybody hitting their spots. Yeah, I I tend to think sometimes we might interceptions are 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 never good and they're always on the quarterback. But I would almost rather have a quarterback that may throw some interceptions because he's trying to push the ball down the field or trying to do some things rather than a, a quarterback who holds the ball in the pocket and takes sacks and things like oh, that. Oh, Brian, and listen. Birdie doesn't I, look, seem look, to be that way. I mean, I was talking to Kurt Warner about this probably last week. And he said he'd rather throw five interceptions than to throw the ball on third and ten to the sidelines and punt. You know, now he's being a little facetious yeah. there. Right. But I, will, I don't want Brock – to come out against Jacksonville or Philadelphia or Baltimore, whoever they got, and play conservative. You're not winning a championship. They had Alex yeah. Smith who did that. Mm-hmm. You know, they, you're not winning anything if you just play it close to the vest and, and play not to turn the ball over. Nobody's winning anything in this business. Like, I want I want him to stay aggressive. And, look, they're a big, deep, um, in-cut team. They love their in-cuts. You're hitting D-ball on the run. It's, it's an 18-yard play that turns into 40. Like, I want – I don't want him to stop making those throws. That's what got him to where they're at, where they're like, he's our guy. Yeah. But you have to, you also have to live with the mistakes. Defense has to go out there and shut teams down after those mistakes. I'm sorry. Yeah. Team game. I want my quarterback to be aggressive. Yeah. You know, and, and this, this stat has been going around just because of the way that the, the three games have gone, uh, the, their last three games, but Kyle Shanahan's record in San Francisco uh, when trailing by three plus points going into the fourth quarter is now one in 31. Um, is that, do you feel like that might be just kind of a fluky number? Uh, or do you feel like his offense with the reliance on the running game tends to be more of a front running offense? And when they get behind is when they start to struggle a little bit. Well, I don't think there's a fluke to that stat. I mean, that stat is pretty alarming. I, I didn't know that one, Bri. Um, that's an alarming stat because that, that's not a fluke would be if it happened three times in four weeks and it never happened outside of that. That'd be a fluke. Right. But look, I mean, if you take two runs away from Christian McCaffrey over the last three weeks, yeah. he's averaging, he, he hasn't gained a hundred yards in three games. He's averaging just a tad over three yards of carry. He hadn't been special at all. Now, mm-hmm. is that McCaffrey? Is that no Trent Williams? Is that, um, because I see the same plays over and over again. Like, I don't no think they're low. a difficult run offense to defend. I mean, they, they'll run juice over to the same side as uh, Kittle, and they'll double the outside guy, and they'll get a zone stretch going. They'll run a wineback play, uh, you know, with juice going one way, and they'll come back the other way. Like, I, I see the same plays. They're not running them as well right now, period. So do they need a variety? Do they need a change? I, I, don't, I don't believe that you need – you know, a whole arsenal of different types of runs, but they're being defended right now um, without without really being 
you know, anything special about how they're not blitzing these runs and selling out to stop them. They're just stopping them. So, you know, they got to get better at them. And I'm sure that's been an emphasis. I hope it's been a big emphasis during the bye week. Yeah. And then to finish up, Aldi, we know how good Philly can be. If the Niners can get it together and get back to where they were, what other teams besides Philly and the NFC do you think they need to worry about, if any? Well, I think you have to pay attention to what Dallas can do. They went up and down the field on the Eagles on Sunday afternoon all day. Dak had a great game. C.D. Lamb, Dalton Schultz, they all had great games. I mean, the Eagles secondary has not been good. And the pass rush isn't close to what it was a year ago, for whatever reason. Mm-hmm. Um, so they're not a good, they're not, they're not a great defense by any stretch. The great defenses are in the AFC right now. We'll see if San Francisco can rise up, but I, th- I think you have to pay attention to Detroit. You know, yeah, I, like I would say, I know New Orleans is kind of up and down, but if you look at them defensively now, their secondary is as good as anybody. In fact, their quarterback completion percentage against their defense is the lowest in the league. It's 55%. I mean, when you look at Lattimore and Alante Taylor and Paulson Adebo this week's defensive player of the week, like they are excellent in man coverage, just the way you saw Cleveland, you know, a month mm-hmm. ago. Like they can defend the pass. They're playing very – so defensively, they're going to keep them in every game. And now it look, they look a lot better to me when Taysom Hill is a bigger part of the offense. Like he just is a big component when he gets to touch the ball in a variety of ways. So I wouldn't sleep – on New Orleans at all. But look, maybe Detroit, maybe New Orleans. Um, I don't believe in Atlanta just because I don't know what they're doing. You know, I mean, Taylor Heineke is a guy that thinks San Francisco is too worried. And then I would say on an outside level, you know, and I, and I, I don't want to sleep on Seattle. I know they got blown out. You're going to see them in Seattle, in San Francisco in a couple of weeks. I'm going to be out there for that game. Like they've, they've got a lot of, they have 15 rookies on their active roster. Those rookies, Witherspoon and, and Jigba, like those guys are only going to get better. So I wouldn't sleep on Seattle at all. Baldy, thanks so much for the time. We really appreciate it. Yep, my pleasure, Al. Brian, I'll talk thanks. to you soon. Yep. Thanks, Baldy. Okay, guys. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. All right, Brian. That was Odyssey NFL insider Brian Baldinger. Make sure to follow the best football show with Brian Baldinger on the Odyssey app or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Big game this weekend, Brian. And when yes. I was listening to the Niners talk a little bit after practice today, they feel it. You kind of mm-hmm. hearing their voices yeah. like they know this is sort of a, a must-win type game. I'm excited for it. Let me tell you what I'm going to do this weekend. So if anybody watches clips, if you listen to the show, if you see our clips on Twitter, you kind of see behind me I got some jerseys and like a dartboard and stuff. I sit at my bar and I do the show. So I got a couple TVs down here. I got a couch. I got like this is like my spot, right? So when life is really busy, you know, I don't get a lot of weekends. I mean, I always find time to watch the Niners games. I have to because I have a show. But, like, sometimes you're not home. This weekend, I have nothing going on. So what I'm going to do is sit my ass at this bar come 1 p.m. standard Eastern time, watch this Niners game with a couple of my favorite beverages, and just hope this team 
can get it together. That's that's if anybody's wondering what I'm going to be doing there in the game, that's going to be it. If if anybody is wondering what I'll be doing, um, my youngest has yet another cheer competition on Sunday. We have to be there at six a.m. Oh, but but we get to leave at ten fifty. So for the first fifty minutes of the game, and then on the ride home, I will be watching said game on my phone. Uh, because she will already have done her competition. But, hey, kudos to her team. Two weeks ago, they competed and qualified for nationals. So we'll be going to Vegas in, in January. Making moves. For, yeah. Junior peewee cheer, baby. Here we go. Uh, but, stuff. yeah, no, this, 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 game is, this game is massive. And I actually am very – to me, obviously you want to break a losing streak. And – it would be easier if they were playing a team like the Cardinals or a team, you know, that isn't very good. But I think for this team specifically, and we talked about the questions that we have for the second half, I think it's actually really good for this team to come out of the bye facing a quality opponent because up to this point, they've really only faced one, maybe two. Right. And, mm -hmm. and, and you would say the Cowboys who they throttled and then sure. you could throw the Browns in there um, or sorry, and the Bengals and the Bengals. So two, yep. two, two solid teams, Bengals and, and Cowboys. And then, you know, a, a, a team with a really good defense in, in Cleveland. So they, they need to come out and improve something against a good team. And this Jaguars team is a good team. And not only that, but this team poses a lot of challenges to the very questions that we had or that we have about this team. So again, it's a really good litmus test and I'm really excited to see how they come out for it. In this Jacksonville team, Dave, if you go back to last year, they're one of the best teams in the NFL, at least record wise. So they're 13 and four when you count the regular yeah, season 17. and 14 and five with the playoffs going back to last year. And I've been watching them a lot this year for a mixture of, I think, you know, they've had a couple London games and they're just the only game on. And Trevor Lawrence is one of my fantasy quarterbacks. He never nice. does anything in fantasy, but um, <laughs> so I've just been paying a lot of attention to them. And you watch the games and you're like, oh, this is just ugly. And it is. Are they even going to win this game? Like, it's just ugly football. It's nothing smooth about it. But they always come up with a W. They've been a really hard team for me to figure out. And if you look at who they played this year, so. They beat the Colts twice. They beat the Falcons and the Bills in London. So they had those weird London games. Beat the Saints, and they beat the Steelers in the rain, and they got some pretty fortunate calls in that game from the refs. So the Bills in that London game, and the Bills have looked all over the place anyway this year, but they did not look good. They, Jacksonville lost to KC, who they always play tough, and they lost to Houston, and Houston really has their number in that division. So wild. it's 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 been, yeah, it's just been really strange sort of watching them. Lawrence has made some really good plays, but he hasn't looked dynamic by any stretch of the imagination. Now, I know some people will say that's because of what's around him or this, that, and the other thing, because some people really love Lawrence. I think he's very, very good. Um, I, I don't think he's descended to that elite level yet, but they're winning and he makes some, some terrific plays and some terrific throws. You know, we'll see how the rest of the season goes with that, but they're just a hard team for me to figure out. So yeah, I'm interested to see how the Niners play against them on the road, early game across the country. 
we'll see what Jaguars team shows up. They're both coming out after the bye. But like you said, yeah, it's just it's, it's a huge game and just just a really interesting one for both of these teams to see how they come out and play against different competition. <clears throat> yeah. And, you know, like you said, they they aren't blowing teams out. They're winning ugly games. But that is also a mark of a good team. And it's something we mm-hmm. haven't seen the 49ers do. They haven't won a game ugly. They've lost the games where they played ugly. So I I would almost, I I would love to see them get in an ugly game with Jacksonville. And I would love to see them win that game because ultimately once you get to the playoffs, all the games are quote unquote ugly, right? They're absolute slugfests and, and, and trading blows back and forth. So, but I think what's unique about this team is that each side of the ball presents a challenge for the 49ers that they haven't really answered yet this season. And so, you know, let's let's look at let's look at the Jacksonville Jaguars defense first. So when the 49ers are on the field, um the thing about Jacksonville, they run a 3-4 defense which is nothing special. Um but they're really good at tackling. And they've allowed the third fewest explosive plays, which are rushes of 10 plus yards or passes of 20 plus yards. They've allowed the third fewest in the NFL, which is something that this 49ers team needs to do uh, for their offense to be successful. They are looking for those explosive runs, those explosive passes, 20 plus yards down the field. Now, a lot of times they're looking for those when it comes to perhaps, again, a a swing pass, a bubble screen, whatever the case may be for Debo. And I think we're going to see those. in in this game you know i think i think kyle shanahan is absolutely going to uh spam debo samuel this game because he's Mm -hmm. back for the first time and and you know i think i think kyle shanahan as a play caller really really leans on debo samuel and his ability with the ball in space uh to eat to get chunk yardage especially if the if the offense is is out of rhythm um but other than that um they they also and here's the other here's the other uh thing that jacksonville does really well that uh again is is something that we were hoping to see from the 49ers um but they are only allowing 79.2 yards per game on the ground um which is uh i believe third i think it's third in the nfl right now um and and we talked last episode we said this run game has to get going for this offense to get back to where we saw it at the beginning of the mm-hmm. season. And this is not an opponent where that will be an easy tax, uh, an easy task. So again, a defense that poses a challenge for the things that we're looking for the 49ers to find answers to. And that's again, why I feel like this is a great litmus test for them, uh, you know, in, in Duval County. And I'm, well, before I say this, uh, one more stat on Lawrence. He has a PFF grade of 84.9 this year, which is phenomenal, even though he just has nine touchdown passes. So, again, people smarter than me really like him. So mm-hmm. there, you, there you go. Yeah. Um, but where I think the Niners might come out here, you, you mentioned the run defense. Jacksonville has no pass rush. So the last three seasons, yeah. they've averaged 28.3 sacks, um, which is the only – two worst teams were the Raiders and the Falcons. And this season, they just have 16. That's 30th. And Josh Allen has nine of those 16. He has nine of them. Yeah. So, yeah. So there's not a lot going on with the, with, with the pass rush there. And they've given up the six most passing yards in the league. So maybe they come out passing, but talked about the mistakes Purdy has made. Jacksonville is second in the NFL with 11 picks. 
And there's yep. three guys in their secondary who you've probably never heard of who all have, again, terrific PFF grades. Andrew Wingard, safety, he's got an 86.6. Cornerback Darius Williams, 85.5. Former Ram. And he leads the NFL with 14 pass breaks up, breakups. Yep. And safety, Andrew Cisco at 78.1. So probably definitely not household names, but they've done a good job at their forcing turnovers without the pass rush happening and, and giving up some yards. So maybe that's they'll come out and they'll, they'll try to get Purdy right. Like you said, with Debo Samuel attacking is, is the way that they'll go there. The other big thing we're looking for, we talked about a lot with Baldy. A lot of the stuff Baldy just said was really alarming to me. And I yeah. wish I had a half hour with him, especially because <laughs> we, you know, we only have so much time with, with, with our guests and yeah. we have to follow up with the questions we had. But when, when he mentioned about Bosa that like, I, I had seen him say this, I don't know if it was on CanBR. 95.7 or, or he was doing a breakdown whatever it was but he was talking about Bosa and he's like yeah it's just a power move this year like he doesn't mm -hmm. look like Bosa that really worries me like is it just because of training camp is it Steve Wilkes like what the hell is going on there he's right Hargrave yeah. hasn't been the force that, that he is so is Chase Young gonna help revive this defense does anybody give a shit that Steve Wilkes is on the sidelines now but it's such a big game for that unit and for Wilkes because the microscope has been on Wilkes for two weeks now. Mm -hmm. Two weeks of, is Steve Wilkes the guy? Two weeks of, well, now he's coming down from, from the booth and he's going to be on the field. The microscope is as is, is much as pressure as there is on Brock Purdy and the offense to get it together. kind of feels like even if that doesn't happen, Steve Wilkes is sort of, I guess for lack of a better term, maybe an escape goat type situation. Mm -hmm. So Huge game bit, for him yeah. and his defense. You, you know, it just kind of seems Kyle yeah. seems pissed at him. The fans think he's he's a joke. He's yeah. he's just kind of in that, whether it's fair or not, because the offense has only scored 17 the last three games. He's sort yeah. of in that seat right now. So let's see, let's see how he responds and let's see how a defense responds with a lot of stars who have been taking heat because they haven't been playing like stars. Yeah, and I will say this about Wilkes coming down to the sideline. I learned something new. Uh I think it was yesterday. Um, I was listening to Candlestick Chronicles, another 49ers podcast with Chris Biederman and Kyle Matson. We've had Kyle on uh, No Huddle before. Uh, but they were saying that Nick Wagner had told them, and they neither one of them knew this, and, and I learned it yesterday, that in the NFL, uh, the only, the, the only uh, personnel who can talk to the players on the field with the green dots, right? So that's the quarterback on offense, and that's whoever you decide to wear the green dot which is the, the helmet with the speaker on defense for the 49ers. That's Fred Warner. Only personnel on the sideline can talk directly to players. So with Steve Wilkes in the booth, he is not relaying play calls directly to Fred Warner, like Robert Sala and like D'Amico Ryans were. Um, he is, he, there is an e intermediary. And so he would call the play down to Johnny Holland, the linebackers coach, and then Johnny Holland would relay that to, Fred Warner. And so there is a, there is now that I understand it, there is an, an advantage of him being down there. Um, and the advantage is, is that he can talk directly to Fred Warner. And to me, I think that's important because ultimately you want the input from, from those high football IQ guys that you have on the defensive side of the ball. And if you're calling in something and Fred goes, wait a second, Right. Like there's at least dialogue that can happen there again, not when the play call comes in, but he can come to the sideline and immediately just go up to Wilkes and be like, hey, here's what I'm seeing. And and mm -hmm. I think ultimately it's the communication that I think is 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 the biggest 
thing that is lacking and, and players have said that and Kyle Shanahan has said that. And I think ultimately that's why Kyle was like, no, I think we need you down here. And not only that, but the defense is used to having their defensive play caller on the, on the field. And so with a defense that has the level of continuity that this defense has, again, throwing a wrench in it by having him up in the booth and, and all of that, like, I, 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 I think I understand a little bit more why, while I don't think it's a tremendous deal and I don't think it's the reason why they've struggled the past three weeks, I do think having him come down to the sidelines is a positive uh, move. And it'll be interesting to see, again, whether we see that translate to to play on the field. But I did want to throw that in because I thought that was important. And like I said, I, I learned that myself just yesterday. I had no idea. I didn't know that at all. Yeah. Did, did we t- say Trent Williams practice today? Did we mention that? We did not, but he did. I just and that, <laughs> and they brought happy tears to my eyes. Yeah, because they, listen, they need him back. So it sounds like they're going to be kind of close to hole. Um, Dre Greenlaw, you know, again, he looked like a guy who needed a couple weeks off. Like Kyle said, yeah. the team looked slow and tired. He was one of those guys that needed some time off. Um, George Kittle mentioned that penalties on first and second down have been part of what's been derailing the run yes. game. Um so they're going to have to try to get better at that. Yeah, don't you, you don't want to get in second long. You don't you want to be in second manageable, third and manageable, and, and not put too much pressure on Brock to do what he's been doing the past few weeks, and that's try to do too much. Get back to your game, short passes, get in good situations, minimize risk for your quarterback, and, and just get back to playing 49ers football. I think this is a tough game, but it's a very winnable game. And again, if they have any aspirations of really – winning a Super Bowl this year, or this is a game that you, that you win. I know the Jags are six and two. I, I know that they're a good team. I know this isn't a away game. I know they're coming off a bye as well. Nothing, anything against or away from the mm-hmm. Jaguars at all. Um, mm-hmm. They have a lot of talent, Christian Kirk, Calvin Ridley, Travis Etienne, a lot of talent around them, Evan Ingram, you know, guys that can beat you on offense. But if the Niners are a Super Bowl contender, that this is a game you go and you take care of business. I'm not saying 40 to 10, but you right. find a way to win this game. You win this game. Yeah. And, you know, like I said, this this team, I think, poses some unique challenges for the 49ers on both sides of the ball, specific to the things that we've talked about, which mm-hmm. are struggles that they've had. And, and for the 49ers, that's uh, pressure on the quarterback, getting pressure on the quarterback, getting sacks. Uh, Trevor Lawrence has the uh, has the second fastest uh, uh, time to throw uh, in the NFL at 2.41 seconds. Um, and so he's pressured on 30% of his dropbacks. Um, but again, he's getting the ball out. And so those pressures aren't necessarily turning into sacks. So again, what's, what do we want to see? We want to see the quarterback on the ground. Well, this poses a unique challenge. And then the other thing is we talked about how the coverage with the 49ers, the coverage, the marriage of, of coverage to pass rush hasn't really been there. We've Mm -hmm. talked about, you know, are they playing more man than they're used to? And, and has that messed them up? You know, they're a really, a really incredible zone, zone defense. It's what they run, and and that takes a lot of communication. Uh, but what's interesting is that uh, Trevor Lawrence has a forty nine point five QBR against man coverage, uh, but it's seventy seven point two against zone. And again, I think a lot of that has to do with the fact that he is getting the ball out quickly, and and you know they're doing a lot of RPOs and things like that. So. Uh, again, is Wilkes going to throw more man coverage out, which is not necessarily something that this team has majored in. 
over the past few seasons with D'Amico Ryans and Robert Sala, or do they stick with zone and and trust that their 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 tacklers will actually tackle? Because that's the thing. If you're running zone, that's great. But if you're not tackling, you're that zone's going to get eaten up. So again, unique challenges for this team with the struggles that they're having, and and Jacksonville really kind of exposes a lot of those so that's where i'm most interested to see hey here's a team that is really good at doing some of the things that you haven't been good at or you haven't been good at defending are you going to have answers are you going to answer the bell or are we going to see another situation where you know we're talking about a fourth loss in a row i don't think so um and i think like i said this team is too talented and too too veteran laden to come out of a bye week after having lost three in a row and lay another egg. I think they're going to come out and I think they're going to make a statement. I don't necessarily mean I don't necessarily think that means a blowout, but I do think it means that uh, I, I I think they're going to win by more than one score. Um, and it's because again they they've got to make a statement and they've got to reestablish themselves as one of the favorites in the NFC. I'm kind of seeing a grind game. I kind of feel like it's going to be a grind game where both teams have to grind a little bit to to win. Low twenties, you know, in that in that yeah. range, I could see. I'm going to say I, I think the Niners win this game because they're they have to. <laughs> That's mm-hmm. kind of the way that I feel about it. They have to come out and they have to get things moving in the right direction after this buy. They seem focused. They seem to know that. But I see it as 24-20. 24-21 in, in that range. I think it's it's going to be a grind, and it could, there could be some series where you're like, oh, you know, that didn't look good or whatever. But in the end, uh, they're going to find a way. Yeah, I I think I I agree with you. I think it's going to be a grind. I don't think there's I don't think they're going to score over thirty, um, especially since it's on the East Coast. It is a ten o'clock start time for them. Uh, you know, body clock games can always be a little bit wonky, but I do think that with Trent back and with Debo back, I think this offense starts to find its rhythm again. I think Purdy will be, uh, I think Purdy will be efficient, and I think that he'll make a handful of throws where you're like outstanding. And mm-hmm. I think he's going to limit the turnovers uh, again because I don't think he's going to be pressing as much because I do think that uh, they're they're not going to enter the fourth quarter behind. Um, so I'm going to say that they win this game. I said by by multiple scores, so I will say uh, they will win this game 26 to 17. There you have it. We both think that the Niners are going to break out of this funk this week and get their winning streak going again. And if they don't, <laughs> it's going to get crazy in Niners. It's going to be nuts, but we're not, we're not going to think that way for right now. But we'll be back. I don't know. Maybe we'll record Sunday. Maybe we'll record Monday. We'll see what's going on. But we'll be back um, to break it all down after it happens. For Brian, I'm Al. Later. Nine is on three. One, two, three. Nine! Twenty-four hundred Sports is an Odyssey company.